You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning, everyone. I'm Father Brian Gross, your host this morning for Real Presence Live. I am broadcasting from St. Mary's Central High School in Bismarck, North Dakota. Uh, We are now joined by Father Carlos Martins. Uh, He is a member of the Companions of the Cross, um, and uh, he uh, is very, very much interested in the relics of the Church. Uh, And so, Father Martins, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being on with us. You know, before we even we dive into uh, this, you know, evangelization through sacred relics, talking about the relics of the church, um, if you could just give a little uh, explanation, to everybody, what is the companion? Who are the companions of the cross? Right. So, uh, my the religious community of which I form a part is um, is called the Companions of the Cross. We were founded thirty six years ago in Ottawa, Canada, by Father. Robert Bedard, Father Bob Bedard, and it is a community with the charism or the, the, the purpose of evangelization. Okay. Most of our priests are parish priests, uh, but a number of us uh, are itinerant preachers. We preach parish missions. Uh, I work with the Holy See and uh, conduct these expositions of relics of the saints worldwide. But yeah, the, the order exists to, to promote the, the, the charisma, to promote the gospel for the purposes of, of conversion. Awesome. So, Father Martins, how long have you been ordained? Uh, I am in my 13th year as a priest. Okay, very good. So how did you get, um, you know, where did your uh, sort of initial interest in, I mean, obviously being Catholic, right, there's an interest in relics, but like, kind of what, what draws you into this um, this deeper mission of evangelizing uh, through sacred relics? Like, is there a story that you can maybe tell, like, you know, this is a moment where, wow, you know, this is just, this is something that you recognized. Um, hey, I want to be more involved in, in really uh, displaying the church's relics and in evangelizing with them. Sure, sure. So I'm a convert from atheism. Uh, I converted wow. in, in 1996, uh, so 25 years ago. And one year after that, I went on a pilgrimage of Thanksgiving to Rome. And when I was in that pilgrimage, I had experiences with relics within Rome. Uh, relics are, are everywhere there. And, and it was really just a, an experience of kind of a, a, a taste of heaven, if you will, and a, and a taste of this communion with the the family of saints of, of uh, which, which form part of, of God's kingdom. And, and I remember being very taken by those experiences. And at the same time, uh, there was, I, I noted, a deficiency in the way that the Church ministered or, 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 or didn't minister uh, with relics of the saints, because I, I was immediately aware relics are mentioned throughout Scripture, Whenever they are mentioned, two things always occur. One, there is always a healing. And, and secondly, touch is the way by which the healing comes about. And when you walk through Rome, uh, when you enter into the great basilicas and, and magnificent churches that are there, relics have largely 
with some few exceptions in the Eternal City, but largely have become relegated to to church decorations, if you will, uh, for lack of a better word. They're, certainly the relics are given due honor. They're given uh, in magnificent uh, places and, and uh, places of honor within churches and close to altars and so forth. But, but the people of God can't come into contact with them. And, 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 and that's a significant thing. It's significant because that is the way that God, quote-unquote, likes to work through relics. And, you know, a case in point, my favorite example to bring up with this is the fact that in the year 410, uh, the, the, the city of Rome was sacked. It was sacked by the, by the, by the barbarians. And this sent shockwaves throughout the empire because never had Rome's enemies been inside the Eternal City. And so this brought a, a, a kind of question. Uh, a, 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 a sense of regret. Hey, have we done wrong in converting to Christianity? And so the Roman Senate sent a letter to the most famous theologian in the empire, St. Augustus, and asked for an apologia, asked for a, a reckoning as to, hey, give a defense for the Christian faith because we're starting to, to question you. And so that was, his response was, was the book, The City of God. And, and really, it's 22 books in one. And that book is where Augustine is at his theological genius. Right? It's a high point of his theological work. But the way he finishes that work is a chapter all about relics. And so he describes among the stories in his own cathedral a woman who was hemorrhaging badly for years in a moment of light she placed her hands on the bars that separated her from the relics of, of uh, St. Stephen, the first martyr, which he had within a niche uh, within his cathedral. And instantly her hemorrhage stopped. Uh, so she went home and told her sister, who had the same issue. At the same time, somebody went into the rectory of the cathedral to tell Augustine about the healing. And both Augustine and the sister arrived at the cathedral at the same time, and he was there to witness her sister also touch the bars and similarly receive the same healing. Uh, and so at Augustine concludes this, this work where, you know, he is at his, uh, his theological acumen is at its best, it's at its high point. And he says to the, Roman, to the Romans there, this is what our God can do. What can your God do? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, it is bedrock insofar as Augustine is concerned, the truth of the Christian faith is bedrocked in the fact that the saints of God carry on Christ's work, his mission, here on earth. And they do that, uh, among other things, not just through their intercession, but through the, the presence of their sacred remains. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to give people an experience of the living God through the relics of his saints. So it was very important to me uh, to make relics available to the people of God uh, that in, in a context where they could have an intimacy with them. In other words, uh, relics, uh, they're, they're, they're exposed to the faithful and they're able to touch and pick up the relic words. They're able to put them close to their heart. Yeah, so you, you know, you'd mentioned that when you go to Rome, um, sometimes, you know, you're, you, you hear like secondhand or you hear through 
through conversations with uh, with a priest, a seminary, and another person, you're like, hey, did you know that over here in this church, there's a relic to, you know, this particular saint? You're like, what? Really? Like just in a side altar? You know, kind of like what you mentioned there, that that it's they're they're uh, they're not necessarily um, as as available to venerate as maybe we would like to, right? Um, and so. You know, a question, uh, Father Martins, we're speaking with Father Martins, uh, Carlos Martins, who um, has a great devotion uh, to the saints, obviously, uh, and travels with uh, the relics of the church and, and displays them for for uh, the faithful um, to witness and, and to venerate, uh, to pray before. And so, Father Martins, uh, can you s- uh, speak about maybe a couple of the relics or a few of the relics? How many relics do you have? But uh, the relics that you particularly are... Um, you know, sort of cherish, right, in, in, in the collection that, that the Church has given to you? Well, sure. Uh, so the, the, the exhibit is changing fairly constantly. On this particular okay. tour right now, uh, it numbers 165 relics of the saints. Wow. They include uh, relics of all 12 of the Apostles, uh, St. John the Baptist, St. Joseph, part uh, of the wood of the manger of our Lord, some of the largest remaining fragments of the True Cross left in the world, uh, a fragment of the Veil of Our Lady, uh, and then a bunch of uh, relics from the different time periods in the Church, the early, some from the time of the Fathers, uh, from the Middle Ages, uh, from, from the Renaissance, and from uh, most recent times, such as St. Gianna Mola and St. John Paul II and St. Mother Teresa. Uh, so every time period of, of the Church is covered. Uh, the, re- the, the exhibit, the, the saints do swap out. I, I work with the Holy See, and, and um, uh, depending upon where in the world I travel, I will select relics that might be more meaningful, or might be uh, very meaningful for that group of people uh, that will be experiencing them. And But it isn't... Um, it isn't a stagnant collection, if you will. Uh, it is changing. It changes several times a year. Well, that's that's beautiful. So, Father, um, just real quick, I'm going to run through the the schedule here uh, that uh, has been provided. Um, you're obviously traveling all of the time, huh? It sounds like constantly traveling. Uh, I well, I mean, it's not. It, it's near constant. Uh, you, nobody can yeah. travel all the time. Uh, but, but it's uh, it's very regular. I would be on the road from 200 to 250 days a year. That's amazing. Um, so the the uh, the schedule here coming up over the next uh, couple weeks is. Um, Monday, May 17th uh, at 6 p.m. Well, that was yesterday. Uh, so was <laughs> you've already been to, you were just in Fairmont, Minnesota, right? Um, but, uh, May 22nd, you're going to be in Sisseton, South Dakota. May 23rd, you're going to be at Holy Cross Catholic Church in Ipswich, South Dakota. Monday, May 24th, you'll be at St. Francis of Assisi in Sturgis. Uh, too bad you couldn't do that in August, Father. You could be there... Yeah, we're just going to go to a break, everybody. We'll be uh, we'll be back in a second. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Uh, This is Father Brian Gross, your host this morning, uh, broadcasting from St. Mary's Central High School in Bismarck, North Dakota. Sorry about that uh, technical glitch. Uh, Before the break, we had uh, some malfunctioning equipment, but... um, we have since uh, fixed that, I believe, so we should have no more problems uh, for the rest of the show. Uh, we are uh, speaking right now with Father Carlos Martins about the treasures of the church, um, the relics of the church, evangelization uh, through sacred relics. And uh, before the break there, uh, before we were interrupted uh, by those technical difficulties, um, I was reading through the schedule, and so uh, I want to do that again. I missed a couple of places. Um, so tonight, Tuesday, May 18th, uh, Father Martins uh, is going to be at St. Augustine Church in Austin, Minnesota, and that's at 6.30 p.m. tonight. Uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, he'll be at the Risen Savior Catholic Church in Brandon, South Dakota. Thursday, uh, May 20th, he'll be in Ortonville, Minnesota at St. John's. Friday, May 21st at 6.30 at St. John the Baptist in Wagner, South Dakota. Uh, and the schedule continues uh, Saturday in Ipswich, Sunday in Waterton, South Dakota, Monday um, in Sturgis, uh, and um, Tuesday, Laurel, Montana, Wednesday, uh, Columbia Falls, uh, Montana, May 26th. So uh, you're getting a wonderful tour of the Upper uh, Plains there, Father Martins. Um, so you can go f- uh, to treasuresofthechurch.com. Uh, treasuresofthechurch.com. You can click on schedule and, and request prayers. 
uh, etc., um, request uh, him to come uh, to your parish. And so, treasuresofthechurch.com. So, Father Martins, um, one of the things that um, you had touched on before the break was um, the experience of uh, healings that happen through uh, the intercession of these saints during some of these uh, uh, presentations, the exposition of the of the sacred relics. Could you speak a little bit more about about your experience of uh, through the intercession of the saints, some of the healings you've experienced? Sure. Yeah. So there, you know, I I've been doing this ministry now, uh, gosh, uh, two decades, and I have seen a great many hundreds, maybe thousands of, of healings, um, mm-hmm. and they they are. There are healings that take place at every exposition, every single one. And one of one of the things I like to do the most is the first thing, first thing in the morning when I wake up is I access my email and I see what has come in through the night. And uh, I just got this uh, email from a woman named Janice. Uh, I went to the exposition five days ago. I've had a bad ankle for about thirty-five years. I've had cortisone shot surgery, but nothing has worked. The next morning, the pain was gone. I could walk without limping and holding on to things along the way. Praise God. At Mass, uh, yesterday when we started the glory to God in the highest, I lost it. I am so grateful. Bless your ministry. And so That's awesome. Christ himself says that greater works than what I do, you will do. He says that to his disciples. And and I'm here to, to bear witness that the, the saints, through their sacred remains, are one avenue in which that that prophecy, in which that promise of our Lord is fulfilled. And this is supposed to be an ordinary part of the life of the Church, that this is an ordinary way in which God wants to reveal His presence to His people. Uh, and as, as I mentioned, every time relics are mentioned in Scripture, there are always two things that happen. There is always a healing. Touches the way by which that comes about. Yeah, so Father Martins, you just mentioned, you know, relics mentioned in Scripture. Um, can you give us a couple of examples of where relics are mentioned in, in the Bible? Sure. Sure. Well, the first place they're mentioned is in the Old Testament in the second book of Kings, chapter 13. And so there was a man that had died, and he was being buried in a grave. And the way that graves were were designed back then, a deep shaft was dug in the earth, and then um, shelves were carved in the sides. And then when somebody died, the body was placed on its own shelf. Well, in this particular occasion, in uh, 2 Kings 13, uh, the corpse of the man was being lowered in the grave, and inadvertently, the corpse touched the bones of the prophet Elisha, who was also buried in the grave, and he came back to life, the dead man came back to life and sprang to his feet. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, in Matthew 9, uh, we hear about a hemorrhaging woman. Uh, in a moment of light, it's, it's revealed to her that all she has to do is touch the hem of Jesus' cloak, and she'll receive the healing, and that's exactly what she does, and that's exactly what occurs. And what's interesting about that is she didn't touch Jesus, but his clothing, and that was enough for the healing. And then uh, in Acts 19, uh, Paul was was seen as so holy uh, that when he would walk down the street, they would touch him with handkerchiefs and aprons, uh, in other words, common everyday cloths, nothing special cloths, if you will. And then they laid those cloths on the sick, and it says two things would occur. 
their diseases would leave them, and if they had evil spirits, they were delivered of them. That's from Acts 19. Uh, and so uh, this is, those are three examples, and, and in those three examples, you have all three classes of relics performing a healing. So you have a what we call a first-class relic, uh, a body or any part of the body of a saint, and that was from Second Kings, where the bones of Elisha raised the dead man back to life. You have a second-class relic or anything that belonged to a saint or a lord in uh, where you have the, the, the Jesus' cloak uh, effecting a healing on the hemorrhaging woman. And then you have third-class relics or touched relics, where uh, Paul is, is touched by common everyday cloth, and then they're put on the sick, and they are delivered, and they are liberated of their diseases. So in the, in the early Church, um, can you speak a little bit about the history of of relics in the sense of, um, you know, I, I think of the catacombs, obviously, as one of the primary spaces. Uh, but, but how in the early church can you, can you speak about the history of like how, how um, the use of relics kind of developed and, and sort of grew um, over the sure. years? Yeah. Sure. Well, from the beginning, uh, that, uh, the altars were placed over top of the grave of the martyrs. And this is true in the catacombs, but it's true... Uh, it, it's true elsewhere. It, it, immediately upon the legalization of Christianity, uh, the Church's primordial instinct was to erect altars over the tombs of the martyrs. And so that's why St. Peter's Basilica is placed where it is, for example. That, uh, you know, Constantine, he literally had to move millions of tons of earth in order to be able to build the first basilica over top of Peter's grave, and, and it wasn't just over top of the grave. The grave of Peter was had to be placed directly beneath the main altar. So to do that, there was an, an unreal amount of work that had to be done. Now, this is significant because just a few hundred feet over, uh, there was already Nero's circus close by, and that was already flat. But that was not a suitable place for the basilica. It had to be on the Vatican Hill. So there was this instinct from the Church in the beginning that the, the Eucharist and relics are, are connected to one another. Inside the Basilica through the ages, you had niches, you had places of devotion where the faithful could gather and pray in front of the, the relics of the martyrs and where they could touch the tombs or touch the reliquaries or, or touch the bars separating them from the bones within the niches. Uh, long before the Church had a rite of exorcism. Uh, the rite of exorcism is, is a product of the Council of Trent, so it's only been around some 500 years. Prior to that, there was no official ritual for exorcism, but nine times out of ten, how exorcism was done is you brought the demoniac into the Church in front of the altar, the altar, of course, containing the, the relics, of, of a particular saint, and what you did is you petitioned the saint to bring about the liberation of the demoniac. So that was that was the, the the most common way in which somebody afflicted by evil was delivered. Yeah, and that Father... example illustrates nicely again that connection between the Eucharist and relics, between 
the head of the body and the members of the body, if you will. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for thanks for that connection, right? And of course, we we think that uh, of the the fact that every single church has an altar um, that has been consecrated by the bishop, uh, and in that altar is an uh, a stone, an altar stone that contains uh, the relics of the saints, right? And continuing this ancient, ancient tradition uh, of celebrating the Mass, uh, in a sense, over the top of the bodies of the saints uh, who have, have died. And so um, that, that connection, right, that you, that you bring forward there between the Eucharist and then the, the living uh, reality of the person who is holy because of Jesus, because of the Eucharist, right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and we see that. We see that as we move forward. Um, so, Father Martins, we're, we're coming here just to, to the end of the uh, the end of this particular um, uh, period with you. Uh, we're grateful. Thank you for uh, for spending some time with us. Again, if you want to learn more about Father Martin's uh, great work, you can go to treasuresofthechurch.com. dot uh, com. And if you click, uh, if you go to that website, treasuresofthechurch.com, dot com. There's a, there's a tab on the very top of the website there that says Request an Exposition. Um, so if you're interested in, in having Father Martins come to your area, to your parish, um, all the information you would need uh, is right there on, on that webpage. Um, Father Martins, we've uh, we got about a minute left. Anything, anything that you'd like to, to mention um, to the folks listening uh, before we let you go? Sure, certainly, yeah. So our, our Lord says that greater works than I do, you will do, and, and I'm here to bear witness of the truth of that, uh, in that work that the saints do, they continue Christ's ministry of healing and, 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 and bringing the touch of God. Anybody who desires to come, I encourage you to bring anybody in your life who is ill, uh, anybody who just needs the touch of God, uh, whether you bring them in person or you bring photographs of them which have been touched to the reliquaries as a means of intercession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any objects of devotion you bring, such as rosaries or holy cards or medals or so forth, that you touch the reliquaries will, will themselves become third-class relics. They, they themselves will uh, then occasion healing if touched in faith to those who are afflicted and those who need it. And this is part of the Catholic faith, has been part from the beginning. And I am glad and happy to continue this work for, for everyone in these areas that you've mentioned. Yeah, Father Martins, thanks for, for drawing that out again. You're not coming just to sort of look at something neat, right? Uh, we're coming, uh, you're coming for a growth in faith and even for the for healing. So, Father Martins, thanks. Um, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Ben Warner, seminarian for the Diocese of Bismarck, and Paul Gardner, who, who will be ordained deacons very soon. God bless. We'll be right back. <laughs> 